0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Taking vitamins every day and feeling no difference? Your body makes it really hard sometimes to absorb nutrients, both from food and from traditional supplements. So many things can impact this, from digestive conditions to taking medications like antibiotics and birth control pills, to even just being under a lot of stress, all can prevent you from absorbing vitamins and nutrients. With lipospheric supplements from Live On Labs, you can finally experience the benefits of high-dose vitamins and minerals by outsmarting your body's absorption barriers. Live On Labs is the first dietary supplement company to use liposomal encapsulation technology, a method pioneered by pharmaceutical companies to deliver life-saving drugs to the cells where they are needed. Lipospheric supplements offer a better way to absorb nutrients, including vitamin C, folate, B12, zinc, magnesium, and glutathione. The nutrients in lipospheric supplements are critical for optimal immune system function, long-term brain health, metabolism, your skin health, and so much more. Live On Labs only uses ingredients necessary to make a safe and effective product. There is no sugar or any artificial flavors, colors, or fillers in any lipospheric supplement. Plus, they're all vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. No more choking down pills. It's very simple to take these. You just squeeze a packet into one to three ounces of any cool beverage and take it like a shot. Order any lipospheric supplement now from LiveOnLabs.com/well and get a free sample of all six products plus a free shot glass, free shipping on all orders in the continental U.S. That's LiveOnLabs.com/well. L-I-V-O-N labs.com slash well, W-E-L-L. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. All right, what's up, everyone? It's Dr. Will Cole. I'm a leading functional medicine expert. I consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's loads of free resources there as well, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. All right, today is a very special episode. You all asked for it, and we are providing it for you all. It is a bonus episode. It is an Ask Me Anything episode. Maybe ask us anything, because we I brought a special team member here at the Functional Medicine Telehealth Center to geek out on all things functional medicine all things health and wellness, labs, food. We go deep on all the nerdy stuff when it comes to wellness. And you're going to get a behind-the-scenes view of a functional medicine center. We're actually recording right now in my office where I'm consulting people 11 hours a day. Also, we won't just be answering your questions. We also will be giving you a case review of a patient of ours. We won't be divulging the name, which is conti- this is entirely HIPAA compliant, my friends, but we're gonna go over what they were going through, what their lab showed at the beginning and where it looks now and how they're feeling now. So you can get an idea of a functional medicine approach on some a typical typical type of case that we see. And also for people that are newer to the podcast, at the end of every regular episode I answer one of your burning health questions. So Ask Me Anything is a part of every episode, but today we're gonna answer more of your questions. So this is gonna be a bigger conversation and you're gonna get your questions answered. So without further ado, I have my friend, an amazing functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, Megan, what's up?
1: Hey, Dr. Will Cole. I'm so excited to be here. Thank
0: you for having me on today. I You are a podcast nerd. <laughs> I am. This is official. <laughs> You're on the podcast. And this is... How do you feel right now?
1: I, I feel a little nervous, actually. <laughs> I mean, I love it.
0: <laughs> Before we started recording, she said, my soundbite's going to be, I'm scared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not
0: false. It's one thing to like you know listen to podcasts and then to be talking about it. But tell everybody what you do at the clinic here.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So I am an FDNP, as you said. I have a master's in health and chronic disease. I spend my day seeing patients um, at appointments, creating nutritional protocols with you, going over labs, and just overall offering patient support. And it's, it's really awesome. I love it.
0: I, we, I, and that that's not just because I'm here, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that might be part of the
0: reason. <laughs> but we spend the 10, 11 hours a day together, part of the team. And we, yeah, it's, we love being a part of people's health journey. It's really a sacred responsibility for us. And we get to geek out together today on the podcast. So let's talk about it. Let's start with the questions. What are, What are the ask me anything questions today? And let's both just give our perspective. I think that's the brilliant part of both of us being on the pod today.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we work as a team every day with these patients. And I think working as a team to answer these questions today is going to be it's gonna be fun. Let's let's, let's do let's it. Let's do it. What is
0: question number one, Megan? All
1: right, Doctor Cole. The first question is: What do you think about the carnivore diet? It's quite a <laughs> uh, quite hip right now. So let's talk about it.
0: First of all, I'm sitting next to a, a person that I endearingly call a wolf because she's more <laughs> carnivore-based anyways. So yeah, we do get this question asked a lot. What do we think of the carnivore diet? Especially because I wrote a book called and It's a mostly plant-based ketogenic diet. People will think, man, he probably hates the carnivore diet or he's like part of this like- diet tribal wars where it's like this versus this, the the plant-based versus the carnivore. The reality is if anybody's actually read Ketotarian, they will know. I take a pretty moderate approach. I talk about, it's actually pescatarian keto and vegetarian and vegan keto options. It's very flexible. And I talk about grass-fed beef in that book too. So Look, but that's just ketotarian. I wanted to really educate people that they don't have to do either or they could do both and they could do ketogenic diet in a clean way. But I have my author hat of this is a tool within the toolbox and that and ketotarian was talking about one specific tool, but I have my clinical hat too and I don't have an agenda other than what moves the needle for the patient. Right? I don't have a ax to grind on this is the way, because if I hung my hat on one way for all patients, you know this, Megan, that I'd be proven wrong all day long because what works for one person, even if it's the best thing that you've seen work at 9 a.m. at your 11 a.m. patient, And it's not going to work for them. So you have to be intellectually flexible. You have to be clinically flexible with meeting that person where they're at, not just with what's clinically relevant, but what they even enjoy. Because you and I both know if a person hates a protocol that they're doing, that stress and anxiety around that protocol is going to be a saboteur. It's going to be, even if it makes sense clinically, their emotional relationship with the food matters. It, It impacts. I mean, don't you agree?
1: Absolutely. I mean, that is a huge role in this. If you do not like what you're doing on a daily basis, we know that the stress of that is going to diminish or halt your healing. So we have to find a meat in the middle, but also a development of a protocol that's also Mm -hmm. going to help your body heal on that cellular nutritional level.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So carnivore, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, we use the carnivore protocol. We use a clean, well-formulated Nutrient-dense version of the carnivore diet for patients, because we deal a lot of people, we deal with a lot of people with autoimmunity, uh, people that have food reactions to just about everything, people that have histamine intolerance, mast cell activation. When your immune system's reacting to the healthiest of foods out there. You kind of have to do, sometimes There's a, has to be a season of your wellness journey to do kind of a version of the ultimate elimination diet. When you're eating just meat, it pretty much mitigates a lot of variables. And there are people with Lyme disease and co-infections that have to do even beef-free versions because they're having beef allergies. So we will go where we need to go to get the healing started. And sometimes we need to go where we need to go. Sometimes it's there for a time. Um, So I don't have a problem with it at all. What I would say is the average person is the fact that you're you're not there forever and ever. It's there for a time. It serves its purpose for a time to untangle the inflammation, the untangle the reactivities, to calm things down. And then we have to do a systematic reintroduction of foods. we start, we lean them out with more soups and stews, pureed vegetables, low FODMAP, which are fermentable sugars that are in some vegetables like onions and garlic and cruciferous vegetables that can be reactionary to some of these people with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. The point is we lean them out of it. So we graduate them from that. We do a slow systematic reintroduction of foods. And if we're healing these things, if we're if we're actually getting this person healthier, I don't want to just create an artificial environment by avoiding every food and saying, well, you can only feel well when you do this. I want to be fixing the mechanisms, whether that be SIBO or some underlying gut problem, whether it is mass selectivation, whether it's Lyme disease or a mycotoxin, mold toxin issue. I want to deal with why the immune system's reacting in the first place so you can do proper reintroduction. So that would be my thought. What say you, Megan.
1: <laughs> yeah. So as you said, I am uh, I'm into animal foods, properly raised, like nutrient dense animal foods. And I I did carnivore for 30 days during a very stressful time in my life when I had gut issues, and it was right before my wedding. So like you said, I wasn't going to go to my wedding and be like, Hey, can I have a steak with a side of fish and some liver, and don't give me any cake? You know, I had to <laughs> use it as a tool, and I did, and it helped a lot but you have to use it properly and you have to bring in the right foods to heal during that time or else you're just putting yourself on such a specific nutritional protocol that can be mentally draining when you try to socialize again and be in the outside world.
0: Yeah, well said. So we're talking about organ meats, talking about wild caught fish, Fish eggs. Yeah, definitely. So like uh, sardines, like small small fish that are nutrient dense with the omega fat. So we're not just eating whatever, any old right. dirty carnivore protocol. We're doing it really intentionally to make sure that you're nutrient density is optimized through this time, right?
1: Absolutely. And you can't miss those nutrient-dense foods like the organ meats and the fish, you know, the sardines with the bones in them, because those are the nutrients that are going to excel your healing yeah. during that pivotal time if you're using carnivore as a healing tool.
0: Yeah, well well said. And broth, I mean, we have to talk Absolutely. about bone broth. Bone broth is paramount during this time too. So it's it's a great tool. It's good. I would consider it an ultimate elimination diet protocol for a time. And then we segue out of it. Not that everybody needs to do it. There's many other ways to do an elimination diet protocol. I talk about it in the inflammation spectrum in my second book, but it is one version of it and the most elimination. You know, you can't get more elimination other than maybe a water <laughs> fast, I guess is like the more than the carnivore protocol. So but, true. Uh, yeah, so this one of many protocols that will lean in based off of the case, what's clinically relevant for you, what serves you in this season of your health journey. That's my agenda. And that's Megan's as well. Electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause really horrible symptoms sometimes like headaches, cramps, fatigue, and weakness. They also play a critical role in many other health conditions that I see clinically. Issues like POTS, brain and mental health, breastfeeding, regulating appetite, and curbing cravings, and so much more. Basically, everyone needs electrolytes, especially those that are eating a healthy diet, which you may be wondering why. But according to the FDA, over 70% of sodium in the U.S. diet is consumed from packaged and processed foods. So when you adopt a clean whole foods diet, you are eliminating processed foods and sodium from your diet. Now, I'm not recommending you bring back in processed foods, but not replacing the sodium can negatively impact your health and how you feel and your overall performance. That's why I love Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low carb, or paleo diet, or just a clean eating diet of any sort. Element contains a science backed electrolyte ratio 1000 milligrams of sodium. 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. Very important. And what's also important is it has none of the junk that's in so many other electrolyte products out there on the market today. There's no sugar here, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. I drink Element every day, to support my brain health, support my energy, you'll see me when I'm consulting patients online with my big old mason jar with filled with water and a packet of Element. And as a member of our community, Element has a very special offer for you. Claim your free Element sample pack. You cover only the cost of shipping. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash art of being well. Again, that's drink lmntcom art of being well This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food. Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined aesthetic. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products I love public goods. I've been using them for a long time. Specifically, I love their cleaning products. We use them at the Functional Medicine Telehealth Center. I use them in my home as well. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives that are still sadly common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products super healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. Knowing what's in your products and where they come from is really important. And small changes in the way we shop can make a big impact on our personal health and the health of the world at large. They use a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. They plant one tree for every order placed and incorporate sustainability into every part of the company. Join hundreds of thousands of others who have switched to their new everything store. I worked out an awesome deal just for my listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash Will Cole or use code Will at checkout. That is P U B. L I C G O O D S dot com forward slash will Cole to receive $15 off your first order. All right, let's get to the next question.
1: All right, Dr. Cole. So, this is one we hear a lot in and out of the clinic, but what are your thoughts on alcohol and do you personally drink?
0: (laughs) Great question. (laughs) All right, my thoughts on alcohol. People always want to know, all right, what are my thoughts on alcohol? And what can I get away with? Like how much is too much? Like if I say, yeah, in moderation, well, what's moderation, right? So this is what I would say. For most of my patients that are going through severe, different autoimmune issues, hormonal problems, digestive problems, detox issues, whatever the case may be, I will say most of our patients, if I'm putting my clinical functional medicine hat on, we're having patients go off of alcohol for a time. That doesn't mean every patient's doing it. I'm erring on the side of, I want to get them feeling great as fast as possible. With that said, the average person is, we are doing reintroduction of alcohol over time. It's based off of that person's recovery. But some people heal quicker than I think that they would, right? And we can reintroduce things faster than I thought that we would. Or they could be moving slower and we have to dig in deeper and we, it's going to take longer than we think. Again, my agenda is what is needed to move the needle in the biggest way and the quickest way for these people that I know are really struggling. Um, So... For a time, I would say if someone's up against a health issue to avoid it for a time, give your liver a break, give the gut a break. That would be my recommendation. It's not all or nothing. It is a gradient. You can get better versions of of alcohol. Um, you know, we love dry farm wines uh, that it's a low alcohol they test for mold toxins, that's wine, right? And they curate wine from Europe that are fitting a certain criteria, organic, biodynamic, regenerative. Um, They're testing for toxins that are in very, very commonly in different wines. They are testing for mold, which wine is a higher mold drink as well. And because alcohol is a toxin, having a low alcohol content in wine is a better option for people. So I think low sugar, low toxin, low alcohol wine is a good idea if you're going to have it. And, you know, people can have it in small amounts, but it's to their tolerance. If they feel like they're quote unquote paying for it the next day, is it worth it? You have to ask the question. So I, to me, I think I would want to, the person to shift their perspective on, is this serving me or not? And if they feel great, if they're socializing and they're having it in in an amount that works for them, and then that's okay. If it's not impacting their lives or their health negatively, that's all right. Then, Then the shame and the stress is worse than the drink, I think. But if the person has an unhealthy relationship with it, if they're abusing it in any way, and I think that... Alcohol abuse exists on the spectrum. I think we see a lot of times patients that would, probably wouldn't be considered by a, a alcohol specialist as an alcoholic, but they have a dependency on it. Absolutely. Right, and it's a like, they have anxiety around not being able to have that. And is that a, mental, emotionally? Is that a healthy relationship with this? I would say no. And, and, and also on a health level, like is it impacting their health in a negative way? They have to kind of shift their perspective on, oh, I can't have that shift it from there to, well, I can have whatever I want, but I love feeling great more than I thought I missed this. And is this in alignment with my goals? And that's why someone's why is so important. Because when you have a big why, if you have a like, I like feeling great, I respect my health more than this, it's kind of a bad trade-off, right? And when somebody has something that depletes all the amazing health things that they built. And that's that catalyst, that paradigm shift that I want patients to have for themselves, right? It's like, no, this is what I call in the, in intuitive fasting food piece. I want them to have alcohol piece too, where it's like, it's not like this illicit thing that they just like, oh, they have lust after because they can't have it. They just have a piece that, eh, take it or leave it. I'm all right. Uh, as far as like, do I drink? I really don't drink You know this, I don't. Yeah. Like if we get free alcohol from different organic brands in the mail, I'm giving it to my team. (laughs) I'm I'm drinking
1: the Dry Farms wine more than anything, (laughs) which I thank you for. It is great stuff.
0: (laughs) Shout out to to all the amazing brands out there. I love you. I love you. And I, I have to know what's out there for my patients, right? I have to know better alternatives to make this pragmatic and practical and sustainable for people. So I have to know it, but I don't, drink it myself, really. I don't. But yeah, maybe you're better off to be answering this question.
1: (laughs) I will will gladly give my two cents. So I would say that at one point in my life, I considered myself a craft beer expert, which, you know, is probably not the best option considering our discussion on gluten and what most of our listeners and patients know. So I did have to find alternatives and I have Mm -hmm. to tell patients to find alternatives. But the bottom line, when I tell them it's first science, look, if you have leaky gut, Alcohol contributes to it. If you have low good bacteria, alcohol contributes to that. Everything else depends on that gut and we have to heal the gut. So there's the science. And then the emotional aspect, like when I go out with my friends, do I want the alcohol because I feel pressured or because I feel left out or even because it gives me that endorphin rush? And if those are, yes, we might need to seek, hey, you might need to talk to someone or we might need to find alternatives to your lifestyle to make you happy and to heal. So I think there is a gray area, but I think that we need to focus on your why and the reasons of healing to mm-hmm. get down to the bottom line of what's right for that particular person and patient.
0: Yeah. Oh, perfectly said. Okay, great. So there you go. Alcohol. What's next?
1: <laughs> so our next question is a really good one and we hear it quite a lot. What? is your favorite or your favorite hormone labs. We wanna know the best one to get the best idea of where someone's hormones are at that time in their healing journey.
0: Yeah, so people ask this a lot. You're right, What, what do we recommend for hormone labs? If you're talking about female hormones specifically, estrogen, progesterone, looking at sex hormones, looking at testosterone, looking at all the metabolites of these hormones, looking at cortisol, circadian rhythm, we would say the Dutch test, the urine saliva test, the dried urine test and saliva test. It really gives us a thorough perspective of all those hormones, estrone, estradiol, estriol, looking at progesterone, looking at testosterone, all the different metabolites of that, uh, and looking at cortisol rhythm and cortisol awakening response or CAR throughout the day. That is to me, if you're talking about like general thorough hormones, but we can't forget that we get a lot of hormone data on conventional blood tests too. Like the Dutch test is more of what things that we use in, in functional and integrative medicine, but you can use conventional blood labs, like someone going through Quest or LabCorp, and as long as we're interpreting it, looking at optimal, the functional range, where the body is functioning the best with these hormones, And not just the lab's reference range, which we look at that too, but we have to look and decipher this gray area and how, again, health and health problems exist on a spectrum, on a continuum from function to dysfunction. Um, We can run a full thyroid panel on a conventional lab. We can look at even free testosterone on a blood test. So there are some exceptions to that. I don't think you need the more expansive, comprehensive functional tests for every hormone. But I would say Dutch test would probably be the the thing I would recommend the most. And we run these for labs for people around the world. Um, For people that are interested, we just ship the kit to your house or coordinate the blood lab local in your city. Um, But yeah, that would be my thought. What do you think?
1: I agree. I mean, I love the Dutch test. I think it gives a great picture of the sex hormones and also where their cortisol is throughout the day. And at that point when I'm talking to a patient – if I do see that Dutch test and I notice that they're flatlining around a certain time or their awakening response isn't where it should be, then I'm going to ask them, you know, what were you doing during this day? Let's bring more context. Yeah. So not only does it have amazing data points, but it also gives me context with that patient. Yeah. So I agree. Traditional labs are always, you know, worthwhile if you have a chance to run them. But I think that Dutch plus test is just such a great tool to really see where that patient is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And to, for people to realize this is that we're looking at free fraction hormones when, it, when we're running the urine saliva test. So typically, you're going to get the protein bound hormone of what's circulating in the blood when you get the blood test. So for example, like estrogen, estradiol on blood tests, you're not looking at what is bioavailable or being usable. So what we're able to see with the urine and saliva test is actually what's the body making good use of. And we look at blood and urine and saliva. So it's not like we're just saying, just look at urine and saliva. We're looking at both. But as far as someone that wants a more comprehensive view on this, the urine saliva Dutch test is extremely helpful for people to uncover the hormonal variables that are at play. And as Megan said, like these are snapshots in time, just like a blood test is. So we always want to put it in context. And remember, hormones are, I call them like biochemical emails. And if the work environment, your body, if the company, your body, isn't in the best state, You always want to put hormones in context because emails are not going to be sent in the healthiest way. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in today's case review (laughs) a little bit. But more on that a little bit later. What's the next question?
1: All right. So, Dr. Cole, it's one we hear quite often um, in our office. But what do you say when people say functional medicine is not affordable?
0: Whoa. Kind of loaded one there. Loaded question. (laughs) What do I say when people say functional medicine's not affordable or like people say functional medicine's not accessible. Functional medicine is only for the wealthy. Functional medicine, whatever. I get that. So I get people asking that a lot. So let's talk about it. This is a loaded question. I'm curious to see your thoughts on this too, but- Look, I've been at this for a long time. We have been, we started, like I mentioned, one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world. I've seen a lot of changes over the past 12 years when it comes to this space and wellness. Like there was no functional medicine center at the Cleveland Clinic. There was no, like really people weren't doing this that much. And this is not a new thing. I think as functional medicines become more, mainstream, you know, even though I think we have a far way to go, but, you know, more people are aware of it. There's more mainstream institutions that have functional medicine centers, and there's more, you know, concierge, private clinics that have functional medicine uh, clinics as well. So what are, my, what are my thoughts on this? Of course, there are exceptions to everything I'm about to say, and I'm kind of just free flowing on this and just riffing on my thoughts on it and my heart on this, this topic because it is nuanced And there are exceptions to what I'm about to say, right? I think generally speaking, we could always do more to make it more accessible to people and to be innovative in this space. And without a doubt, people need help. People need health. If you look at the statistics, we need to be there for people without a doubt. I have a heart for people. And, you know, I mean, we start our day doing Prayer meditation for our patients. Doing case review. Like we take this extremely seriously. We hit the ground running, eleven hours a day, because we love people and we want to be there for people. At the same time, the yin and the yang of this is that we have a massive prioritization problem when it comes to health in our country, because the conversation is always when it comes to health, when it comes to food, or it comes to health care, it's accessibility. Well. It's interesting to me because I feel like we, when do we have the accessibility conversation when it comes to the latest iPhone? When does accessibility, when it becomes to the latest material thing that you see a swipe up on social media, when is the accessibility when it comes to a cars that people drive? People will drop thousands of dollars on cell phones and cars and things that they make payments on, not because they can afford them necessarily. They, it's not like. They're, they're making payments on them. They couldn't pay them outright, but it's important to them. So I find that for most people, it's a priority problem, not a price problem. There are without a doubt exceptions to what I just said, and we need to do better for those people. But it's interesting to me, the people that I hear saying, like judging us in functional medicine and saying, well, it's only for the wealthy. First of all, that's not even true. I mean, most of our patients are middle-class people. I mean, as far as professions go, we have school teachers, nurses, those are our patients. They're people that work nine to five They have to prioritize and budget for their health. And that's across the board what I've seen for the past 12 years. So it's interesting to me, the people that are saying they're, they're judging people in functional medicine say, well, it's, It's not accessible. They're not the people that I think that actually are marginalized because I think we do need to do better and we can talk about the things we are doing to make it more accessible. But it's normally just the peanut gallery of people that want to judge it because really it's just our American culture. It's the materialistic culture of of our country that prioritizes things that rust and fade away and not health. And I think that that's a major issue. And same with food too. People will not blink an eye on spending money on material things and the latest technology, the latest iPhone, but they will balk at buying healthy organic foods. And to me, that is the issue. And I hear people, I've heard consults over the years where they're like, yeah, Oh, I, we're going on this Disney cruise. We're going on this vacation. I have to take, my kids have to go go to this like store to get the latest clothing store, but they won't put their health first. Like the things I see people like prioritize, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like if that's your priority, but let's just call it what it is. Let's not make this an accessibility thing for you. Um, that would be my thought. What do you think?
1: I agree. I don't think I could have said it better myself. You know, there are exceptions to the rule like we talked about, and there are some people, and there are really, we we do need to have the topic of accessibility and working better on that. It can always be talked about from everything from the accessibility of functional medicine to food deserts and other health disparities that we have in this country. That is a big topic. Yeah. But like you said, that is not the majority of the people passing judgment. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to call it like it is here. Yeah. It's people that we know who mention the vacations, the brand new iPhones, the, you know, I got my hair done, my nails done. And I, I just went to Starbucks six times in the last four days, yeah. you know, like let's reel it in people and let's prioritize better. If you want to live that life the way you should.
0: Yeah. And have the have all those material things, But look at your life before you pass judgment on people (laughs) that are working their asses off 11 hours a day trying to get you healthy. That's how I feel.
1: The typical patient I see is not, they're not driving Maseratis and all that stuff. You know, it is the working class person and I'm working around their schedule as much as I can.
0: Patients often ask me what healthy snacks I recommend. People love snacks and I get it. The two or three o'clock in the afternoon snack craving. You want something healthy, but also tastes delicious because let's be honest, there is a lot of so-called healthy snacks out there. It can be hard to know what the heck you should be picking because many of them are either tasteless, they taste horrible, or they're loaded with sugar or empty calories, but they look healthy and they leave you feeling hungry again 20 minutes later, which is why I was so excited when I found Paleo Valley's 100% grass-fed beef sticks. Seriously, my friends- I love these. I eat them personally. My kids love them, and I recommend them for my patients. They're made with 100% grass fed and finished beef, plus certified organic spices for a delicious and filling protein snack. I keep one in the glove box of my car. I have them at my functional medicine center. I take them when I'm traveling as well. And it's so nice to know I always have a satisfying snack when I need one. Plus, Paleo Valley's beef sticks are naturally fermented so they have a long shelf life without the use of harsh chemicals. And what's really cool is this natural fermentation causes gut-friendly probiotics in the sticks. So you're helping to heal your gut and properly digest all the beneficial protein and nutrients with every bite. Plus they're gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO, all the things. And they're perfect for anyone on a low-carb or sugar-free diet because... They are carb-free and every flavor is sugar-free with the exception of teriyaki, which has only two grams of organic honey, which tastes amazing, by the way. They come in five different delicious flavors, so there's one for everyone in the family to enjoy. My personal favorite is the jalapeno. It has just the right amount of spice and has chunks of real jalapeno in it. With over 10 million sold, and a five-star rating on Amazon, they only continue to grow in popularity. If you want to find out what all the hype is about, go to paleovalley.com and use my code DRWILL for 15% off your order. And thanks to their 60-day 100% money-back guarantee and excellent customer service, you can basically try these risk-free today. Go to paleovalley.com and use the code DRWILL, that's dr W-I-L-L, all one word, no punctuation, for 15% off today. So let's talk about the people that we see. Like I said, it's nurses, it's school teachers. We see a lot of engineers. And I feel a common bond between nurses, school teachers, and engineers. They have a common love of spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> so do we. So do we. Yeah, we track the data. We have this like this love language between these, these people, those are our patients. Like, look, 99% of our patients are them. It's the 1% that people will see That's it's a random celebrity or it's that it, they're not the majority of the day, please. I mean, we live in, like, we are a telehealth clinic. So we have patients all over the world, but we're based in Pittsburgh. I mean, this is a Working class, blue collar city.
1: Yes, it is.
0: That's my people. That's your people. Absolutely. I mean, you're from Philadelphia, but it's the same it's thing. It's okay. Right? Don't hold
1: it against me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
0: from the right side of the state, <laughs> the left side of the state, but it's the right side. Hey, of the state. I chose
1: to be here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but so, but the reality is, no matter where you're at, I mean, we, you know, the people we see. This is like everyday people. I guess this is a good segue here. One of the things we are doing to make functional medicine more accessible, more affordable, and help more people, because look, there's only if we're here 10, 11 hours a day, there's only so many one hour, one and a half hour, two hour appointments, even half an hour appointments for people that are in maintenance that you can fit in a day. So not just from making it more accessible and affordable for people, but for us to actually reach more people in a field of healthcare that we know can really transform people's lives is a group model. So last year, it's over. been over a year now that we've launched this group model, class model, which for the past 11 years, we've been doing one-on-one private concierge telehealth, meaning I'm talking to you on a consultation, the person that's listening to this right now, and or Megan is talking to them privately one-on-one. That's still the majority of our day, but- We have launched this group model. It's separate than the concierge stuff, but it's really beautiful because it enables us to talk to a room of 50 people at a time to, instead of it being 51 hour appointments, we're able to talk to all of them at once. And so it enables us to help more people with this information and they have their own coach as well. So in addition to the group calls with me, they have their own coach. Mm-hmm. And they have access to the whole FDNP team, the Functional Diagnostic and Nutrition Practitioner team. So there's a lot of touch points with both in the group call. They still have their one-on-one sessions yeah. with the health coaches. And they have access to you and the rest of the FDNP team on the private page.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's, I mean, it's, it's a group that has just flourished both with the accessibility. You know, that's the hot word we're talking about. They have accessibility to such a large team who cares about them, the tools to make those lifestyle changes and to feel better and also the accessibility of a culture because these people might feel ostracized because some of these things they are going through cannot be seen. Gut mm-hmm. issues cannot always be seen. Autoimmune issues cannot always be seen. So these people might feel ostracized. And yeah. now they're in a group culture with others who want to support them and love them on their health journey. And so they don't feel alone, which I think there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah,
0: you're absolutely right. It's the community. It's it's a community that we are providing for them. So they're not only getting access to functional medicine but they're also having this beautiful community that yeah. you're right. It is very isolating to look quote unquote normal on the outside, but people don't know what it takes just to get through the day when you're dealing with chronic fatigue syndrome or Hashimoto's disease or ulcerative colitis or MS or some sort of undiagnosed autoimmune condition, fibromyalgia. I could go on and on about the people in the group. So it's really beautiful. And it is, it has been our love letter to people, I think, that aren't in concierge to say, look, this is been our major passion project to make sure we can do what we can to make functional medicine even more accessible, more affordable. So we see people that like Megan and I have been saying that are just regular nine to five middle-class people that are in concierge and even more so with the group call. So some people, you know, it depends on where you're at on your journey, right? There are some people that don't want the group model. They they know, they want 101, they want private, and that's fine. We're still there for them. But there are many people that will know, no, I want access to this. I want it more affordable. And we are able to lower the rates because we can reach more people. So it's a way for us to, to really do a lot of things be able to impact more people, but also make it more affordable for people. So the reason why it came to my mind, it's on this topic of accessibility. But I was talking about like there were multiple school teachers in that group yesterday when I was talking to them about school buildings, which I guess brings us. Is that the last question?
1: Yeah, that was our last question, and uh, I, I know where you're going. So you know where I'm going. Let's go there.
0: <laughs> so the segue. This wasn't even planned fully, but the the people just last night on the group call. And there were two school teachers telling me about the fact that they have mold in their school building. And we've seen this a lot of times over the years. This is not like the first time I'm hearing this, sadly, because I, like I said, a lot of our patients are school teachers or people that work in different older buildings, right? And they have mold in their office. They tested it and it was extremely high, but they're afraid to speak up, they're afraid because this one person actually said last time I did, she was in a moldy building before, and she got laid off.
1: Yeah, for yeah, speaking it's, up. it's heartbreaking to not only having to address your health in a potentially unsafe environment, but then to also lose your sense of your source of income. It's that's heartbreaking for that person.
0: It's disgusting. Yeah, that you have somebody whose health is being impacted by a building that is unhealthy, a sick building and you are being punished when you're already being punished with a health flare-up that you didn't ask for. It is reprehensible, to say the least. So we wrote a letter to the school. I mean, we're advocating for our patients. But look, I mean, this is a, massive, like I am um, only one, we're only one clinic and we're not, we're not in the school district, uh, wherever, you know, wherever state it is, it doesn't matter where it is, but we'll do what we can to be an advocate for the patients and work on their health. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting better despite the mess that's at their work, but removing the source. Not being exposed to toxic mold, mycotoxins, is part of the healing journey. So we're still working it out with those specific people. And every case is different. And some people are able to work from home when this happens while they remediate. Some people are able to work from home indefinitely, even if they are not going to remediate. But that's not possible for everybody. And these people, it's it's been tough. So let's segue into the case review, everybody. This is a case review of an actual patient because it's kind of kind of on the same topic of this inflammatory storm driven in part, not entirely, but in part from mycotoxins or mold toxins, which if you haven't listened to the deep dive episode, check out the mycotoxin masterclass episode of The Art of Being Well, because we talk at length about the labs and a functional medicine approach to mycotoxins or mold toxins. But let's talk about this Actual patient of ours, I think you all really love this. So give us the background, Megan. Who, right. who was she? What was like her general age? What was she going through? What are some of her symptoms?
1: Yeah. So this is we will call her patient X, I like if we're that. referring patient to X. <laughs> patient X. <laughs> uh, gonna respect HIPAA here. Uh, so she is a 40-year-old female. She is a lawyer she came to us with some pretty uh, specific symptoms. She was on Mm -hmm. a lot of supplements. I'm going to let you kind of talk a little bit about that, but the main thing was weight loss and hormones. And she came to us with these symptoms and really wanted help and guidance, was already doing a lot. Mm -hmm. So do you want to take us through her symptoms so we know what they are?
0: Let's go through it. So you you, you lovingly said she was taking a lot of supplements. (laughs) This is what I would lovingly call a supplement graveyard. It's a crap ton of supplements, guys. Let's just be honest. I always like a crap ton of supplements, all well-intentioned, all made sense in theory, but like, Dang, man, it was a lot of supplements. But look, it'd be one thing if she was taking all these supplements and she was feeling fantastic. She was taking all these supplements- And she wasn't where she was wanting to be, but she was probably better off than she would be without them. So I'm not saying they didn't serve a purpose. Some of them really make sense, but I think the list could have been a lot more succinct. But I get it. This is most of our patients, and that's why we pulled this case because she is a archetype for most of our patients. Extremely well read. They've done their research. They know way more than most people do about health. They're eating way better than most people are eating in the United States or wherever country they're from. And they're supplementing with very thoughtful, well-researched things. But despite their best efforts, they're not where they wanna be. She was going through, as you said, with weight loss resistance, the inability to lose weight, irregular periods. I'm just going and reading her application back, way back when she, filled this out. Painful acne. She was going through constipation or IBSC, irritable bowel syndrome constipation. She was going through hair loss, She was going through sleep problems, waking up at night. So she didn't have a problem falling asleep. She had problem staying asleep and then getting back to sleep. She was having trouble with itchy scalp, rashes and patches on skin with bloating. She also had high blood pressure that started before she went off of the birth control pill that she was on and she had different food sensitivities. So this is somebody that was going through a lot of stuff and sweet human being, so kind, nice, and knew a heck of a lot. She was a biohacker for all intents and purposes. She she really... Knew a lot of stuff, knew more than most doctors did when it comes to health and wellness. But despite these good things, she wasn't where she needed to be. So I met her. We talked online. She lived in a different state. She lived in Florida, I think. Yes. At at the time. I talked to her for over an hour during her initial consultation online, just like I do for any private one-on-one concierge patient. And then we built a protocol and we ran labs. We really leaned into clinically monitoring her and coaching her and guiding her just like we do for all our patients. So let's talk about some of the things we found on the labs. But we're, we won't talk about everything because it's a lot. We ran a lot of labs, so I don't want to belabor every little nuance. And we'll be putting episodes like this out. Uh, over the coming months. So this isn't your only chance to hear this stuff. But uh, for the sake of this, what were the bigger smoking guns or what what are the bigger upstream root components of the things that we found on her diagnostics, Megan?
1: Yeah, and like you said, we ran a litany of labs cuz and this person didn't want us to miss anything. She was yeah. all in at that point. But just to point to a couple of the ones that were truly the smoking gun, um we ran something called the pathogen associated immune reactivity screen. So it's a pretty big one, but basically we're looking to see the blood's reaction. Mm-hmm. If there is an antibody reaction to these things that we're testing for, it's mm-hmm. what's reacting to this? And, you know, we see these and we test for about 30 different types of things, like everything from cryptosporidium to blastocytis hominis. We're talking mold, Klebsiella. So, so many different types mm-hmm. of pathogens. epstein virus. Yes. And this person came back with over half of the page filled out mm-hmm. of 30. And that's just not normal. That is not normal. (laughs) Not normal.
0: (laughs) Not normal. And it's like, okay, man, they see this when we send the lab, we email the PDF. We're like, dang, that's going to scare them. And we have to bring context to this. We're not saying, and the lab is not saying, and the immunologists at the lab are not saying, you have an active infection to all these things. So this would be a case of polyreactivity, right? Yes, sir. Explain this to the people.
1: Yeah. So polyreactivity, it's really... And we see this, I don't want to say we we just see this with one thing. We see it with mycotoxins produced from mold, Lyme, other viral issues. Yeah. But your immune system is so hyperreactive mm-hmm. that it produces antibodies to anything it wants. It does not discriminate and everybody reacts differently. So it's so difficult to nail down and define those root causes because it's kind of like if you threw 15 darts at the wall, and like <laughs> seven of them stick, and you're like, "Well, which dart yeah. is it?" Yeah. So it's it's very confusing and it's very overwhelming for these patients, but ultimately, it's a lot of false negatives. And mm-hmm. you don't know which one is the false negative.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. False positives, right? Yes. Sorry, Sorry about, about that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And it, it could make you feel kind of negative, but all these, these false positives that aren't primary infections, but there is an immune reaction, right? It is a, like a, it's still a relevant lab because we're still able to see something's irritating the immune system. Let's find a primary infection. And as Megan said, the most common active infections that I would say are mycotoxins, mold toxins, or Lyme disease or some co-infections. So Borrelia burgdorferi, B.C.A., Bartonella, and I would say probably uh, other viral infections like Epstein-Barr virus could be a primary issue too. So out of those three-ish handful of things, I would say more oftentimes than not, those are the primary infections that's triggering the polyreactivity, all these lit up, Pathogen antibodies on a lab like that, the poly, the multiple pathogen test. So we had to confirm this, right? We ran a mycotoxin test, which kind of pinpointed mycotoxins' implication in the polyreactivity that we found on the um, pathogen test. So, what did we find on the mycotoxin test?
1: Yeah. So. On the mycotoxin test, she tested positive for two very specific mycotoxins. One being ochratoxin A from Aspergillus mold, and the second being veruquiarin A, which is from the Stachybotrys mold. This
0: is black mold.
1: Black mold. It is the worst nephrotoxic, immunotoxic mold. Uh, that you can ever inhale. It's it's extremely carcinogenic.
0: Yeah, and we lovingly and this could happen in every any state in any country, my friend. So don't oh, think yeah. it's just this. But we lovingly call Florida like the moldy state. Oh,
1: yes, can and we, see, we love Florida. We
0: love Florida. We do. We love Florida. Florida, as her <laughs> Philadelphia accent. She's she we're, we're Pittsburghing her soon, but her Florida or Florida, depending on where you're from. This mold everywhere, right? But look, it's not just the environment outside. It's like, well, what's the pipe? And I've had a lot of of mold experts over the years where we we coordinate with local mold remediators in their city. They say, well, some, a lot of newer homes don't breathe very well the way that they're built. So it can like build up moisture and be more prone. Even new homes. How many new homes have we seen? People like, oh, it's a new home. I don't have a problem. And then the mold inspector comes in and there's tons of freaking tons mold of it. in their vents yep. or in their random place that they're working out and sweating and breathing. doesn't care
1: in. if you're new or old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's just break down that myth because it does not just the old home where it's super obvious what's those things too, but it's those things that get missed where it's really nefarious because you think it's fine, but you don't know until you test. We have to rule out an active exposure. Uh, current exposure. And it's not just in homes. It could be at work. Like we mentioned, we see many school teachers. This person is a lawyer. Mm -hmm. She spends a lot of times in old courthouses every day where those places can be a breeding house for different molds. Um, And it could be in cars if I didn't say that. And it could be in foods as well. So definitely check out the Mycotoxin Masterclass episode a few episodes back for context to that. But let's go back into the protocol Itself, like just uh, the, her protocol was thorough. But let's go over like some of the low hanging fruits, if you will. We brought in some biofilm disruptors. Yep, biofilm is a mucosal lining. that A lot of mycotoxins can store and become almost like a pathogenic mycotoxin. Uh, sorry, a pathogenic biofilm that's really harboring these infections. So we brought in some biofilm disruptors like seropeptase, that to clear this stuff out. We brought some antifungals, antimicrobials mm-hmm. in. What are some of the ones that we put on full, this full spectrum ones? I mean, there's many different ones uh, that we can do, but cat's claw is one of them. Powder yep. Arco is one of them. Uh, Oregano is another one. Stevia. Of, Stevia, Stevia. It yeah. really
1: helps with the biofilm disruptor and it does have some uh, natural antimicrobial properties sure. as well.
0: Yeah. And then we brought in um, some detox support. So like Berber mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And again, not just one magic pill, right? This is a thorough rotational protocol, so mm-hmm. that if certain colonies of mycotoxins do better with one, and then the other, then we bring in some other agents to help with other ones. So you can't hang your hat on like one magic yeah. antimicrobial or one magic biofilm disruptor, and obviously binders is the other thing. Yeah. We bring a full spectrum binder in because certain mycotoxins will be cleared out better with one, yeah. like zeolite, and then the next one, activated charcoal is going to mm-hmm. be better. Or the next one's going to be, I mean, there's, there's a whole blend of different binders that we can bring in. And that's what we have found clinically to be the most successful is rotation and cycling. So we're being thorough because it's really not helpful when you hang your hat on one thing. And then you retest and you're not where you want to be. But you'll get a lot more movement as far as the needle is concerned and the decrease of the severity and the frequency of these flare-ups and symptoms for this person by cycling in things and retesting appropriately to make sure that you're dosing appropriately, appropriately, right?
1: Yeah. And just something else to add, it's not just what you're putting in as far as the supplements go, but you got to get rid of any potential moldy foods. I mean, because if you're ingesting the mold as you're trying to detox through your sweat, urine, and stool, you know, you're you're going to make the job a lot harder. Maybe not impossible, but still, we have to look at those moldy foods and you got to get your home or work checked. Yeah. That's a big deal.
0: Right. And that's kind of what I was saying with the group call the other day is that we were, had to really be advocating for the patients to get it tested at work to rule it out because they tested home, but they didn't test work. And I've seen it in cars too, where like maybe a window was left open or, you know, some other leak in, in in the car and we've tested home and it's like, okay, everything's fine there. Everything's fine at work. Oh, it's in the freaking car. Who would even think about that? But we've seen it clinically. It's definitely not yeah. the most commonplace, but it's something that should be looked at. But let, let it be known that it doesn't have to be a current exposure. We see a lot of cases where we've ruled out every current one, right? Such
1: a good point. Mold loves warm, dark places. Sinuses inside your body, that mold can still live and produce the mycotoxins that are damaging you on a cellular basis. So
0: you could have been exposed years ago yeah. and it's living in the body. It's estimated that about 25% of the population has a specific gene variant to the HLA gene, which is one of the genes that we look at clinically that can make someone more mold sensitive and not clear out the mold as effectively. We look at different methylation gene variants like the MTHFR gene variant the COMT gene variant, other methylation and detoxification gene variants that make someone more genetically prone to being sensitive to exposure. So I just saw this yesterday with a concierge patient where the patient had high mycotoxins. Her child had high mycotoxins, the same one, but the child's stepdad, meaning they're not related to the child had very low levels of, levels of the mold he had slightly elevated but not nearly as high as his wife and his stepson so that just shows you bioindividuality on a genetic side you can all be exposed to the same thing maybe you're methylating and detoxing clearing this stuff out The other person isn't in in your home. So that's another thing too. His spouses will be like, oh, I'm fine. Like the husband will say, I'm fine. Like you're just delegitimizing what she's going through. But it's genetic by individuality And what are the other things she's going through? Maybe this was the tipping point, but there already were autoimmune issues or underlying gut problems that it's stressing out an already stressed out system. Maybe it's just exacerbating symptoms, right? So where is she at now?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked. So we had her on that mold protocol with, you know, lifestyle modifications and nutritional modifications, and we retested in about four months. We retested, we ran the same mycotoxin urine profile and stachybotrys was completely clear. No sign of black mold. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's an amazing thing.
0: And it doesn't always happen that quickly. No, 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 no. Sometimes longer and that's okay. I mean, we're going we're gonna still stay at it, but yeah. this was amazing.
1: This was really amazing. And everyone's different. Like you said, that bio-individuality comes into play here. She was very lucky. She was also very diligent with her nutrition and supplements and lifestyle. And that went down completely gone. Ochre toxin A, which is a lesser mold, we'll call it, but still can be detrimental um, from the Aspergillus mold. So that mycotoxin actually went down where it was barely readable. So we wanted a 7.5. It couldn't even reach a
0: three. That's amazing. (laughs) Awesome. And she's doing great. She still is on her health journey. She's done 100%, but she's doing a lot better. Oh, yeah. Less severity of all those things we mentioned, Mm -hmm. less frequency. A way that people typically will say it, we hear this all the time, is they'll say it in different ways, but the sentiment is, I have way more great days now than bad days. And the bad days aren't nearly as bad as they used to be. That's the clinical objective for people like this in about this four to six month time span is that there will be, still be things to work on, but we're moving in the right direction and you start can get your head above water. And that's yeah. so encouraging. So great case review. I mean, how could you not love what we do, right?
1: I, I know, I geek out on this stuff. It's like a puzzle and I'm here and I want to figure it out and help you feel better and maybe listen to some podcasts along the way.
0: Megan, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining me on this amazing...
1: No, thank you for having me. I hope to do it again soon and I'll, I'll geek out anytime over this stuff.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to hold you to it because there will be more bonus episodes like this where you get a behind-the-scenes view of a functional medicine telehealth center, more case reviews... More burning health questions. Can't wait. It's the art of being well, right? Absolutely. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well.